Blog Talk Radio. Redbird Rants podcast. This is episode number nine. I am Michael Miles, co-editor of Redbird Rants, joined tonight by my fellow editor, Tito Rivera. Tito, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. I'm ready to take Josh down. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that because tonight, for all of our listeners who are listening live, which are probably just our fellow co-writers, And for all of those who are listening to this on the podcast version, you are in store for a fantastic cage match battle, Redbird Rant style between Tito and Josh McDonald. Josh, welcome. How are you tonight? I was doing good until Tito got introduced first. Is that just just because he gets to be co-editor now, he gets to be introduced first? Yeah, you know, you actually are supposed to save the person – that gets the and or the with, you know, like in Hollywood. So you got to go last because you're the and. So that would be part of your writer on your contract. So I'm better than Tito. That's all I need to hear. Let's do this. Okay, fair enough. So we want to thank all of you for joining us. If you're listening live tonight, thank you for joining us that way. We hope those numbers are growing every week. And we are really glad to say that because of the response that we are receiving for our podcast, Because of the numbers of people who are joining us live, we are so excited that every week now, Redbird Rants is going to bring you not one, but two episodes of our official podcast. That's right. Every week, two episodes. Catch them. Follow us on Twitter so that you do not miss out on the times that we will be going live so you can listen to us live. And also make sure you check us out on iTunes and or Blog Talk Radio. We are broadcasting through Blog Talk Radio, a place for all podcasts of any nature where you can find whatever it is that you want. So, fellas, I don't have a bell to ring to get us started, but let's get ready to rumble. Ding, 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 ding. There you go. There you go. All right. Lower the cage. The cage is coming down. All right. So for our first topic tonight, let's dive in. And because I introduced Tito first, I'm going to let Josh, you have the floor first. I would love for you to talk to me about fam lama ding dong Tommy Pham. And talk to me about Tommy Pham in the Philly series. Give me a recap. What did we learn? What do you think about Tommy Pham? And then, Tito, from the top ropes, I want you just to leap in there and have at him. How's that sound, fellas? Let's do it. I like it. Have have at it, Josh. Let me know about Pham and the Philly series. All right. Well, honestly, wham, bam, thank you, Pham. This guy does Randall Grichuk even need to come back up? It's it's just that he'd just be on the bench, and that kind of saves Mike Matheny from making any sort of mistakes of putting Fam on the bench to play Grichuk. The guy has just been incredible since he came up. I, now, I realized yesterday he had two putouts, one of them being on Edibel Herrera being a complete and total moron, but two home runs and two putouts in that game, I mean, that's incredible. This guy was in the minors because everyone thought that we were going to be perfectly fine with Grichuk. Then Grichuk flounders, and Pham comes up, doesn't miss a beat, like he had a chip on his shoulder the whole time, and he's just mashing the ball. Completely, completely unexpected, but I don't think that there's anybody that I would rather this happen to. The guy, he's such a nice guy. He seems like he enjoys the game. I really hope that he can stay with the team once they go out and buy and get a number three hitter, uh, but that's for later. Um, but no, I think that I think that Fam on this team has he's provi- provided a spark to a point that unfortunately not everybody's kind of picked up on. But if you look at his numbers, he had three home runs in this series. I mean, the guy's hitting the ball and he's hitting the ball well. Um, as for the series and for the Phillies against the Phillies, I guess you can be excited on it. They won a series. That's good. But it was the Phillies. I mean, it's 
the worst team in baseball. Essentially, we have dominated them all year. Losing today was disgusting. Carlos definitely deserved better, and he does in most of his starts because the offense doesn't seem to want to score for him half the time. And up the middle, our defense was just porous, to say the least. Um, I think that if they can keep going and winning series, you get excited, but winning a series against the Phillies doesn't get me excited. It just makes me happy that we're not going further and further down the rabbit hole of awful. Josh, we're supposed to be fighting, so it's really hard for me to to counter argue when you pretty much are on the on the money right now with Tommy Fan. Let's be honest here. In the last, you know, he's batting 286 right now. You know, he started out extremely hot, cooled off for a little bit, but he's trending in the right direction. Yesterday's game for Tommy Pham was, was one of the better performances I've ever seen by a St. Louis Cardinal. Um, and that is, that's actually a lot to say. I mean, think of all the players that the St. Louis Cardinals have actually had in their outfield, Jim Edmonds, for, to, you know, just to name one. Um, but think of how that game ended up. He started the offense. He pretty much finished it with a ninth-inning home run to tie it, and all the momentum just swung towards the Cardinals. I mean, you could clearly tell at that point that the Cardinals were going to win that game. To see him also throw two people out at the runner, and as Josh said, you know, one of them being an absolute idiotic play by Abdul Herrera, and when I mean idiotic, that was really, really bad. That's something that Matt Carpenter probably would do, but it's it just kind of speaks to his awareness of the situation. But, Josh, I think the most impressive thing that actually happened in yesterday's game was actually after the game when Tommy Pham had an interview with Jim Hayes. Did you get a chance to see that? No, that was past my bedtime. <laughs> okay, well, I – I put out an article recently saying that uh, Tommy Pham, you know, his interview with Jim Hayes was the most impressive thing. So go ahead and check that out on RebelRants.com. But he pretty much said, you know, it's great that I hit two home runs and threw two people out, but I still struck out three times. So he doesn't even care about what he accomplished in the game. It's what he didn't accomplish. And that just speaks to the volume of what kind of player Tommy Pham is and what kind of leader he can be for the Cardinals. Because as you know, Josh, I've been saying that the Cardinals have been playing without any kind of urgency, any kind of feeling of them being, you know, against the wall, pretty much saying, hey, our season's on the line. And here comes Tommy Pham saying, you know, it's great. I did that, but I wanted more. I could have done better, and I should have done better. So that just speaks to me. The Philly series, yes, like you said, it's against the Phillies. The Cardinals should have swept these three games. I predicted them to sweep three games in my June schedule piece. But, of course, that's baseball for you. Stuff happens. Errors happen again. And that just throws everything off. And now the Cardinals still find themselves five games back in the standings. And you have to wonder – at what point do the Cardinals take a real look in the mirror and say, hey, what's going on? That's what I'm trying to get from this entire scenario, this entire series, because it's great that the offense was able to you know, keep pace with the Phillies except for today. It's great to see them come back against teams, but I want them playing fundamental baseball. I want them playing – Good baseball. That's base running, that's defense, that's pitching and offense. I mean, think about think about yesterday's game or Tuesday's game with Matt Carpenter's base running and DeJong's base running. I mean, that in itself is a microcosm of the Cardinal season. Poor base running leading to outs. And we can't score anything after that. Think about it. Matt Carpenter gets a, get, tries to go home on a ground ball to the third baseman with no one out. And instead of going back to third base and, and uh, doing what he was supposed to, he took off for home. That eliminated a potential 
two people in scoring in scoring position down to one. Now he was smart enough to get back, you know, get in a rundown and let uh, Dexter Fowler go to third. But come on, that is too much of a base running 101 for somebody like Matt Carpenter to be doing that, especially with how the Cardinals are struggling to win games. So the I take the Phillies series with a grain of salt. Yes, it's nice to win two or three, but they should have won three. I completely yeah, I agree with you there, unfortunately. For... Yeah, and guys, I'm with you there too. Actually, I, I have to tell you I'm terribly disappointed in the Philly series. <laughs> and I think that's what I'm sort of hearing you say in very nice ways. You know, I mean, this is – listen, it only helps to beat the bottom dwellers if other people are losing – you know, because as you well pointed out, we took two of three, but we really didn't improve at all in the standings. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means that you've got to take out the people who are above you in the standings, and I don't know that they've got that in them. Now, having said that, I completely agree with you guys on Tommy Pham, and that is a huge 180 for me because I am not a Tommy Pham fan. I have written many times, you know, my good cousin and I laugh and say that Tommy Pham is made of glass. And he may well be. You know, we have yet to actually see him remain healthy, as it were. But I actually have a couple questions for you, for both of you, about the series and about what we saw from Tommy Pham. So let's stick with Tommy Pham first. So, guys, he's, he's hitting pretty well. Yeah, he cooled off a bit. But he's got some fire and some passion that we're lacking from other players. This also is something I've written about recently in an article that I wrote about mentioning the interview that Matt Adams recently did in Atlanta, wherein he talked about how much fun it is to play baseball again. And I thought that was a really strong admonition against the St. Louis Cardinal. So thinking along those lines, that we've got Tommy Pham in this great interview, and Tito, thanks for bringing that up, because I thought, just like you, that was really even more impressive and more critical than the performance that he gave. So with him playing as well as, he, as he's been doing, where do you bat him? Is he a three-hitter? Is he a five-hitter? And then what happens? What would you do with Randall Gritchick? Give me two scenarios. Bring him up. What would you do? Well, how does that affect Tommy Pham? Leave him in AAA as the other scenario. What would you do? How does that affect Tommy Pham? Tito, let me know what you're thinking about those things. Sure. I mean, right now, the way Tommy Pham is hitting for a pretty good average and pretty good power, you might start to think that he could be a three-hitter. You know, he's never been really a three-hitter in his career. I'd have to check the numbers to see how many at-bats he's gotten as a three-hitter. But he's certainly showing the numbers to be one of those guys. And I think maybe the Cardinals could take a flyer on him as as their three-hitter. Now, I know Stephen Piscotty has also been in the three-hitter position, and he actually hasn't done, you know, too bad there either. So it's it's almost a toss-up as to who is the hotter bat right now, Stephen Piscotty and Tommy Pham, and you could easily say that Pham is that person. But then again, you're playing musical chairs with Stephen Piscotty, and, he, and I guarantee you Mike Matheny is trying to find him a place and keep him there for the long term so he can develop as a hitter instead of worrying about what he needs to do in the in the lineup position. But let's say you don't use Tommy Pham as your three-hitter. He has to be your five-hitter. There's no other choice. Yes, I know Yanni Merlina is used to that, but in my opinion right now for the best thing the Cardinals can do would probably either put Tommy Pham as the three-hitter or the fifth-hitter. Now, switching over to what to do with Randall Gritchick, nothing. I I don't care. I, I don't see how you would trade anybody like Gritchick for Tommy Pham, the way Pham is playing right now. Gritchick, has, Gritchick can have a place on the team if he can put good at-bats together and play consistently. He hasn't done it this year, couldn't do it last year, I don't know what else I don't know what else other people see. I don't know how Josh can be such a gritchick apologist and see the kind of production that 
he lacks. It, it really, it's a really frustrating player because we all see him as a five-tool player. I only see one, and that's just raw power. That's it. So I, he can stay in AAA for all I care, but I'm not, I'm not worried about him. All right. Well, first off, Tommy Pham is not a three-hitter. The Cardinals do not have a three-hitter on the roster. Steven Piscotty is not a three-hitter. Tommy Pham is not a three-hitter. Jed Jerko is not a three-hitter. Yadier Molina is not a three-hitter. There is not a three-hole hitter on this roster, not anywhere. And Tommy Pham, I looked it up for you, Tito. Tommy Pham is one of 12 batting third. That's a .083 batting average, given super small sample size. But Tommy Pham is not a three-hitter. Randall Grinch is showing 243 for his career. Tommy Pham is doing great <laughs> things right now. Take advantage of it. Write it out. I, the best I will, am willing to put him at is if Dexter Fowler's out, bat him two. If he's not out, you can bat him five. But that's the highest I'm willing to bat him because I don't – if we're willing to put Tommy Pham as our three-hole hitter for the long term, then let's just keep losing and get a really good draft pick next year. I mean, I think we should all just sign up for that. I don't know if there's any uh, really great players coming out next year, but if we're going to have Tommy Pham as our three-hitter, sign me up for a really great draft pick. And, you know, I love Randall Grichuk. I don't have any reason to explain it to anybody. It doesn't make any sense. I Ever since we made that trade, I thought Randall Grichuk was going to be the guy, and he struggled. But tell me why that we should keep Huffman on the roster – instead of bringing up Grichuk, who could easily do exactly what Huffman's doing and bring for more power. Grichuk has hit four home runs in the last four days, and he's on a six-game hitting streak, so at least he's showing some life. I don't see Huffman doing anything uh, that's close to those numbers. Maybe Grichuk has figured it out a little bit. There needs to be a caveat when he's brought up that Tommy Pham is the starting left fielder, and Grichuk can't be taking a bat from him, but why not bring him up and have him on the bench as that power bat that we've been missing? Because he clearly is more used than Huffman. I mean, I don't know that well, anybody could fight that for me. Sure, well, I'll I can. just say Colt Wong, and I can. Well, let me say this about Huffman. Um, when Huffman was down in Memphis as well, he was hitting in the very same manner that Grichuk is. So, I mean, if we're going to use that as a comparison, which I don't have a problem using that as a comparison, but then we have to admit that that's the reason why Huffman was brought up. You know, at the time, Grichik was not hitting as he is hitting now, but he also has always done well in AAA. Go pull his numbers. His AAA numbers are numbers that you think, gosh, this guy would be really great in the majors. But that guy never or, or very rarely shows up. So that's just my response. And, and Tito, I didn't mean to jump in and beat up on Josh. That's your job. But I just wanted to jump in there because I have watched Huffman, and he does a really nice job in AAA. And that, that's just my two cents on that. Go ahead, Tito. I was going to say, you know, you also have to say, what about Colton Wong? I mean, you're going to give up Colton Wong's roster spot for Randall Gritchick right now? No. I mean, that may, that just leads to more discussion on who's the next person out. But, you know, and I would have said – Jose Martinez was probably the next guy to go down if, you know, once Colton Wong took Chad Huffman's spot. But Jose Martinez even showed some life. You know, he had a home run. He's had, what, I think he had two home runs in the Philly series. I mean, I just don't see a spot on the team for Randall Gritchick right now. I think it's just that obvious to me. So I, I just, you know, I don't see how you would want that, Josh. I don't want a guy that bats 243 and strikes out all the time. Sure, he has great power, but once in a blue moon, I I just don't get it. I I don't see it. If you're going to go to the Colton Wong coming back, I completely understand he's going to come back and he's going to need a roster spot. If we're going to send down Huffman and have Colton Wong on the roster, we are way too just sapped down with, infield bats then. Colton Wong, Greg Garcia, Paul DeYoung, Alemis Diaz, and Jed Jerko all playing on this team. There's not that many spots on the infield available because Matt Carpenter's playing first base and more than likely Diaz is playing third. So if you're going to have 
either Greg Garcia wasting away on the bench. You're going to have Colton Wong not playing every day, which makes him lose confidence, which makes him not play as well. Or you're going to have Jed Jerko sitting on the bench and you lose your ability for some power. You have to send down DeYoung or get rid of Garcia when Wong comes back. That's that's the only thing that makes sense to me. We don't need that many middle infielders on the team at that point. Grichuk can slide in there. And then our backup first baseman can be Jose Martinez. He can stay on the team. Just Grichuk being the last man on the roster, I don't think it hurts anything. I think that it gives you a chance to get this guy going a little bit and spend some time with some at-bats in the majors because there's going to be a point where you're just going to be like, okay, is Grichuk worth even keeping on this team anymore? He's got to have another chance. He can't spend the rest of the season in AAA. They have to figure out what they have there. So you're so you're suggesting DFA Greg Garcia, bring Colton Wong back, and then option Chad Huffman for Randall Grichuk. Yes. Not going to happen. I don't see a point in keeping Greg Garcia on the roster or or Paul DeYoung. Send the guy down with the option. Send Paul DeYoung down. If you want him to get every day at bat, send him to AAA. I'm sure it's nice having him up right now. They have the young bat up. It's exciting to see some of the future. But when Wong comes back, where is his bat going to come from? You're not going to take him away. If if they take a bat, that bat's away from Colton Wong when he is up here, I'm going to be livid because he has shown that with regular everyday at bats, he is a, a very, very good player for this team, and we play better when he's here. So you're, yeah, actually, you cannot take at bats away from him. I think I saw a stat where it was, when Colton Wong plays, the Cardinals are like twenty-four and nine, and when he hasn't, it's, they're like nine and nineteen or something like yes, that. Yes, it's incredible the difference from from the <laughs> like the beginning of this year to last year. How much he he was hated on, and now he's like a cog for this team that they need for some reason. It's it's crazy the difference that's made. But you cannot take it bats away from this guy. So you no, he not, has to I'm be the everyday second baseman. No, I, this is to the whole point. He has to face is Matt Carpenter. Shortstop is going to be Lemus Diaz, and third base is Jed Jerko. Now, is it though? You can is, have is, is Diaz going to be the shortstop though? Because he hasn't really shown anything. He made another error today. He hasn't been batting well. And you saw the recent you saw the recent news. Echeverria. How can you be so sure Aledmus Diaz is going to be your starting shortstop here anytime if, soon? If Aledmus Diaz isn't the shortstop, he's going to be moved to third base then, and then we have a bigger problem. They have <laughs> no. too many middle, They have too many infielders to question right now. What What does Greg Garcia bring to the table right now that or that you aren't getting from Paul DeYoung? And in retrospect, if you want to keep Greg Garcia, then what does Paul DeYoung offer? You have to get well, rid of know, one of I, them. You know the best person to ask is our host, Dr. Miles. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you tossed that back to me because <laughs> um you know, I'm I'm a little torn and let me tell you why. I believe that the only reason that Paul DeYoung is up right now aside from replacing the injured law, and that's a great thing to have. But the reason he's up and playing every day rather than Greg Garcia is because Paul DeYoung is on the short list to exit the St. Louis Cardinals via a trade. Yeah. And that's going to happen sooner than anything else. There's zero reason for him to be up if not for that. And every other team is very much aware of it. With every home run he hits, with every single he hits, with every play he completes in the field, he increases his value. So he is very short-lived to stay with the Cardinals. Now, thinking along those lines, Greg Garcia has no options. Okay. I like Garcia because he's a scrappy player. Is he a great player? No, not by any means. But he's your true protection for the injured Wong. So I don't know that I really see him going anywhere. Plus, he's a really inexpensive utility player on the bench. And he does bring you a bit of danger, when he can come up because he can manufacture a hit. He can manufacture it in a lot of different ways. I, I wouldn't be surprised, however, let me say this. I wouldn't be surprised to see him go too. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a DFA because he reminds me a lot of Pete Cosma. 
at the end of yeah. his career. And I did not like Pete Cosmo, but his abilities remind me a lot of him. So that's just my takeaway. I, I kind of like what Josh suggested. I could see that happening. But, you know, I, I just think that a solution is going to come before you have to really start deciding on, on designating for any assignments in the fact that DeYoung is on the fast track out. Uh, he's absolutely part of a package deal that's going to go away. Now, let me say this about Aledemus Diaz. It would not surprise me at all, and I agree with Tito on this one, that Aledemus is sliding over to third. That makes a lot well, of Josh, sense. Josh mentioned that, actually. Oh, well, that's sweet of you, Tito. So, Josh, you were the <laughs> one who's right. It, it just wouldn't surprise me now. But, Josh, you said if he slides to third, we still have a problem. I think that problem exists no matter what happens until you start shuffling some players out. And that's going to get us into our next topic coming up pretty soon. But let me just tell you that I think Aledmiz is the solution at third. I think he is a very uh, adept um, and adroit infielder. I think shortstop, there's too much stress for him there. Uh, I think if truth be told, Aledmiz is probably still a little shell-shocked from his eyeball injury. And I think that that's in the back of his mind. Now, would that resurface at third? I don't know. I mean, there's not so many of the quick balls hit on the ground to you there at third. Yes, it's the hot corner. And yes, you have to be able to dive quickly and stop the balls and and get them across the field. But we also know he's got an arm and he can handle the third base position. I don't remember any of his numbers, but I think he has played a couple of games there. Um, But that to me is the natural progression. Aledmiz moves over because whether you go out and get a shortstop this year in trade or not, you're one to two seasons away from Delvin Perez coming up. And that is, as everything I've heard, that's your future shortstop. I don't know. But let's come back to that. Let's take a, a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to be talking about the state of affairs of the National League Central. So stick with us. You're listening to Episode 9 of the official Redbird Rants podcast on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be right back. And thanks for sticking with us. I'm Michael Miles, co-editor of Redbird Rants, a St. Louis Cardinals-themed fan-sided blog where you can find all things St. Louis Cardinals. We are broadcasting live tonight on Blog Talk Radio. This is the official podcast of Redbird Rants, and this is Episode 9. And I am joined tonight by my co-editor, Tito Rivera, and his arch nemesis, Josh McDonald. Guys, welcome back. Thanks for being with us. If you are just joining us live tonight, we are having a cage match to outduel any other cage match you will see. There are fake pratfalls. There are fake clotheslines. There are fake from the top ropes. We are doing everything that the WWF would be proud of. And so we are so glad to bring that to you. So let's jump back into it, guys. As I said before the break, let's talk about the state of the National League Central, the standings. Talk to me, Tito, about where the Cardinals are falling and what that says to you as of the conclusion of the game today. Have at it, Tito. So you got to look at the overall picture of the NL Central, and that starts with the Milwaukee Brewers at 40 and 35. They're a game and a half up on the Chicago Cubs, and the next closest team to that would be the St. Louis Cardinals with at five games back. Pittsburgh Pirates, who have been playing actually some pretty good ball lately, have climbed all the way back uh, to six games out. And the Cincinnati Reds round out the rest of the division at eight eight games back. Where I see the Cardinals right now, I mean, they they just can't seem to put wins together for a long period of time. The last time we had, you know, a winning streak of, you know, five games was that monster one that we had at, you know, in the middle of May. And it's getting increasingly frustrated. As I mentioned earlier, you know, the team should have swept Philadelphia and, and be coming home to a three-game set against the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are still without Starling Marte because of PD, uh, PEDs. It's really frustrating because – the Cardinals, again, I, and I'll say it, they have a good team. They just cannot fundamentally put it together. I cannot believe that the Brewers have lasted this long as the first-place team in the NL Central, and the Cubs just they can't seem to figure it out either. They're pitching 
you know, has certainly regressed, and it was much like the Cardinals from the transition from 15, or uh, yeah, from 15 to 16, their pitching regressed. So it, it's really hard to it's really hard to look at these standings and say, man, the Cardinals are still in it. But truthfully, they actually are. I mean, again, five games is not that much. You've got about 90 something to go. Five games is not that much. So all the hysteria, all the negativity right now surrounding the Cardinals, I don't think it has a place. I think the Cardinals are right where they need to be. I mean, they could be better, but they are they have done the best they can at this point. Five games back is not that bad. They but we are who we think they are at this point, and so they're not really going anywhere. And it's going to take a it's going to take a little change to, to do that. You can look at what the Pirates are doing and say, yeah, they're playing better baseball. But I think what sticks out the most to me is the Cubs. They are playing better baseball. I believe they've won five of their last seven, and the chance to catch them is probably fading pretty fast. They're more than likely they are going to catch the Brewers soon because it seems as though a shift to the top of the order has made Anthony Rizzo the best hitter in baseball, which has excited some of some of the rest of the team, I believe, except for Kyle Schwarber, who got sent to Triple A, um, <laughs> which which is just incredible, um, hilariously incredible. The Cardinals five games out doesn't sound bad. But in the grand scheme of things, how many more games out does it have to be for you to for them to say, all right, they're done? Because they've made it a few games closer, but they can't seem to win the game that gets them to where you're like, all right, this team has it. No, they go win two games, and then they drop a game because of a bunch of blunders on defense and base running. They, they do not seem to understand that playing smart baseball gets you wins. Whenever the Cardinals went on that tear, uh, especially on that road on the road trip to when they were in Miami, they had no errors in that Miami series. It's odd that when you don't have errors, you win games. It's like this thing that they don't seem to understand, but it's a very obvious thing to the rest of the league who that wins games. So I don't really get what's been going on. I don't, I don't, I think Jose Okendo is an incredible coach, but is Jose Okendo really the difference that made this team a good, like defensive team and a smart base running team? Like if he is, then Mo, bring him back, give him everything he wants. I'd make him come back. This team needs him. If that, if that's the case, I don't think that truly is the case because that would be absolutely asinine for it to be one person that controls the entire team. But if that's the case, get him up here because something's not right. And we're, they're clearly not going to fire John Mabry and Mike Matheny tomorrow, even though that might excite quite a few people. It, there's got to be a point where the Cardinals fans that, that are already losing their minds because losing isn't the Cardinals way. And, they just got. They might give up completely instead of just being angry, because Cardinal fans really don't take losing well. I'm one of them. I understand that. Yeah, I mean it's it's very evident that something has to give here. What are what at what point? It's like I said earlier. At what point do they look themselves in the mirror and decide what kind of team they're going to be? what kind of team do you want them to be at this point, really? I mean, Cardinal fans, as I you know, I said it in my article, they're in this state of absolute, almost pure meltdown. They're borderline meltdown because, think about it, the prospect of missing the playoffs two years in a row, that's not going to go over well. That is certainly not going to go over well, especially and and you make a and you make a good point that the Cubs are playing base a good baseball, but they are only two games above 500. They're still within striking distance. They're only a you know they're only a game and a half back of Milwaukee, and you know we're still in striking distance. 
uh, from Milwaukee's. I mean, it just something has to give for this team. If it's John Mabry, it should have happened a long time ago. But get Agreed. him out. Agreed. If it's if it if it's Mike Matheny, it should have happened a long time ago as well. Agreed. And that is and that's just that's the frustrating part about all of this is that whether or not you believe that, you know, well the players go out on the field, they're the ones that's supposed to make the play, whether you believe that you also have to put some responsibility on the manager to get these players ready to play. And it's very evident that that's not the case and that Mike Matheny and his coaching staff are not getting these players ready to go out and handle their business. Because I guarantee you the Cardinals are are a better team than Milwaukee Brewers. They're just not playing better than the Milwaukee Brewers. I can and that's give just you the, the reality. Cardinals are a better team. I, I'm, I'm just saying, they're, they're, they are a better team. They're just not they, playing it. And Milwaukee they, is way out, way outperforming themselves. I agree that the Cardinals are a better team than Milwaukee, but you cannot discount the Cubs at this point because you look at the Cubs, yes, they're, they're only two games over 500, but that the talent on that roster is frightening and we the Cardinals may have missed their opportunity to take advantage of that because if the Cubs are going to keep winning like this they're going to easily pass the Brewers who have to fall at some point unless they're going to have this miraculous full season thing and then when the trade deadline comes tell me you aren't scared that the Cubs might add like a Chris Archer or a Sonny Gray because they're pitching struggling they have the prospects to do it they have they Cardinals may have missed their opportunity to take advantage of a very slow start by having an even slower, shockingly bad start. I mean, I guess Agreed. it's going to come down to – I mean, I, I think it's going to come down to where the Cardinals and the Cubs are at the end of, at the end of June, to be honest, I mean, which is only eight, eight days away. But I think it's going to really matter at that point because if – let's say the Cardinals in the next eight days come back and they're at, a, at 500 – and the Cubs are at 500, that to me just pretty much tells me, hey, you've got a shot. And the Brewers, you know, if they're, you know, within a game or two, maybe even three, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm telling you, I think the Cardinals are still are still capable of making the postseason. Okay, oh, hey, Matt Adams got another home run tonight. <laughs> Good for him. Good for him. And, you know, that is – Strictly because he's no longer coached by Mabry. Um, my question to or you has to do with coaching. Time. Actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, and he gets playing time, and he also has a manager who believes in prepping his players to play. So my question is about coaching, and perhaps this is more of a college mindset, but don't you guys feel, or, or rather, how do you feel? You know, if these players, if you were the manager of the Cardinals and you've seen them make these blunders in the field and you've seen them make these incredibly stupid base running mistakes, would you not have them out there an hour before regular time doing base running drills? Would you not have them out there taking ground balls that you are trying to do your best to hit squivers and, and have them field and have them thinking? I mean, it just, what do you guys think about that? What would you do if you're managing this team? You can't, you can't take away that these guys are professional ballplayers. I would, you know, defense is one thing. Yeah, you can hit ground balls to them. That's not too bad. They could work on defense any day. Actually, I would prefer them to work on defense every day. But base running, that's that shouldn't that shouldn't have to be worked on, to be honest. I mean, I know that they probably could use base running clinics but it, at but this it's, point. But it's it, it, it's needed, and I think a professional. I mean, Tito, you're a professional in your job, I think. And But if your <laughs> boss came to you and said you needed to work on X, Y, or Z because you're not accomplishing that in the way you're supposed to, I mean, that's still an expectation of a professional. I don't know what yeah, – I don't know if Josh is a professional in anything, but, you know. <laughs> I, no, I, mean, I, 
I I completely agree with that, but I the way I see it is is what what more can a coach add that they shouldn't already know? When you're in a professional environment, sometimes like for instance what I do, I may not know the solution and I need I need to uh, work at it, but that's not going to come from that's not going to come from my boss or my coach. That's got to be that's got to come from me. And that's what the Cardinals need to do. That like like I said, they have to look themselves in the mirror and figure out what they're doing, what kind of team they're going to be. I think the problem is you're dealing with grown men who are a lot a lot more difficult to get in their head and say, all right, this is what you need to do. I, today, for example, Jed Jerko tried to make it to third because of a bobbled ball. Jed, you're not fast. You need to <laughs> understand you are not fast. And you just need to be conservative and stand on second base, be in scoring position, and hope the next guy scores you. Don't take that into your own hands. Sit on second base. Don't try and go to third base. You're so slow. You and Molina are so slow. Don't take risks like that. If this team could take a step back to say, we don't need to take these risks, be smart, play conservative, let let these guys hit. The only people on this team that I think should have green lights to run are Dexter Fowler and Magna Sierra, who is not with the Major League Ball Club right now. Everybody else should be, let's say, Whatever base you think you're getting to, take one off and stand on that one. That's what they need to be told right now. Yeah, and I think you guys make valid points. I mean, don't get me wrong. I just think that if you are losing in the manner that the Cardinals seem to be losing, I think that's when you sit down and you say, maybe it's not drill. Maybe it's not something. But you've got to, if, as you say, Tito, they, are, they need to look at themselves. If that's not happening, someone, somewhere, if it's Mosaic, if it's Matheny, if it's Okendo, if it is, uh, you know, somebody outside of there, if it's their mom, whoever, somebody's got to say, you need to stop and look at yourself. And I think that's sort of what I'm getting at with the, with the drill. But, hey, listen, let's take a break. And when we come back, we are going to get into the real, real meat of our cage match tonight. Right now, the judges have weighed in, and we are sitting tied. Tito has taken one round. Josh has taken the other round. So it's the true rubber match to find out which of these two guys will exit the cage tonight. You are listening to the official Redbird Rants podcast, Episode 9, on Blog Talk Radio. Stick with us. Thanks for sticking with us. You are listening to Episode 9 of the official Redbird Rants podcast, here on Blog Talk Radio, I am Michael Miles, co-editor of Redbird Rant, joined by my co-editor, Tito Rivera, and our esteemed guest of the night is Tito's nemesis, Josh McDonald. Welcome back, guys. Let's get right into it. As I joked before the break, the tie ball game here, fellas. Tito has one round. Josh has another round. The points don't really matter. They're arbitrary. So, just like the MLB rules, you know, fighting the home plate. <laughs> You can, you can violate it. Punishment's arbitrary. So in this case, points are arbitrary. So here we go. Let's get into this. We actually put out today on Twitter and on our Facebook page a poll to our readers. If the season ended today, or I'm sorry, if the trade deadline hit tomorrow with the rank that we are sitting at, with the record that the St. Louis Cardinals have, would you want the Cardinals to become buyers or sellers, or neither. Tito, before we get into it, will you share with us the results of those two polls? What our readers say. Sure, sure. And shout out to everybody that took the poll and everybody on Facebook that commented on our uh, Facebook site. We really appreciate you guys' feedback. We'll look to do more, more of these things. But for the Twitter poll, we had 138 votes cast, 47% said they would sell, 35% said they would buy, and 18% said they would do neither. And when I flip over to Facebook, Facebook said 
a lot of sell. We had a few buy and sells, so kind of what uh, Josh's article was about the other day. And then we also had some buys. And actually, I didn't see anybody that said they wouldn't do any, they wouldn't make any moves. So it's very clear that Cardinal Nation is, is not necessarily split between buy and sell. I think it's reasonable to say that there are definitely more sells. But it is, it is obviously a, a topic of concern considering where they are. So that's, that's where we see Cardinal Nation. Now, I myself, if the trade deadline were tomorrow, knowing where the Cardinals sit, and that's five games out right now, I personally would buy. I think the Cardinals are still in a good position to take this division. Brewers are not going to be a threat. The Cubs, while they might go get something like Josh said, I still think the Cubs still have their own problems hitting. And I think the Cardinals match up best with them. So I truly think the Cardinals could do it. Now, the obvious risk here is, let's say that the Cubs do keep continue to play well, and so do the Cardinals. And the Cardinals magically came into the wild card, and they lose. Well, you gave up a whole lot of nothing for one game and to go home. That's why I think it's so important at this point to really, really look at this division and say, can you win it? Can you feasibly go out and win this division? And I really and I truly believe think the Cardinals can do that. And it it all is centered on a guy like a Manny Machado, like a JD Martinez, like a Josh Donaldson that can go out back two eighty hit you 30 home runs, and be a true key cog to this lineup and build some protection around your other hitters so that they see better pitches and your offense can carry you. Sure, do the Cardinals need some bullpen help? Yeah, you could probably add an arm. But I'd also argue that they could probably add a starting pitcher. I mean, Waka has not impressed in his last starts. I mean, his ERA is surely you know, within his last month of pitching is, is surely in the nines at this point. At least before this last start, it was 8.86 ERA-wise. So, you know, there's some, there's some tooling that needs to be done, but the Cardinals have the pieces. They can do this. And I, I really think they, that they could, they could buy. All right, I want Josh, to go back is he to, right? Is um, he wrong? I want to go back to your point about the Cardinals and the Cubs both playing well and somehow the, the Cubs, the Cardinals magically getting into the wild card game. That would have to be some dark magic because they're 12 games back right now. 12 games back. a lot back of ball of the games wild to play, Josh. You know already. that. You know that. Okay, you know that there's, there's a lot of season left. Let's say that that this team somehow – makes the playoffs. What are they going to do in the playoffs? Are they going to go toe-to-toe with the Nationals? I don't think so. I would love that, but they're not going to. Now, I don't Depends think they should full-blown sell. That would, they, don't, they don't have as much as originally thought to be able to sell, in my opinion, because they have to be – unless they go into full tank mode, they have to be able to field – a full pitching staff, and with the way Wainwright's been pitching and Waka's been pitching, can you afford to lose Lance Lynn right now if you're going to try and make it through the entire season? Because Michael Waka needs to get as far away from the rotation as possible at this point, and I don't know what's going on with Wainwright, if he's going to do these up and downs all year, but you have to have someone fairly consistent on there. So can you trade Lance Lynn? Because there's only so many arms in AAA that can come up. You're I really don't see them fielding a pitching staff of Carlos Martinez, Mike Leake, and then Jack Flaherty, Luke Weaver, John Gant, or Tyler Lyons. That is not a playoff team. But if they were to move a couple bullpen pieces maybe in Trevor Rosenthal, Sungwon Oh, Sungwon Oh is going to be a free agent at the end of the year. And if they can get something for him, great, because unfortunately he kind of seems like he's 
turned into a little bit of a handicap for us. It, I'm starting to get a little scared when he comes in. I think that the moves these guys need to make trade-wise are get people to pre- prepare for next year. A Manny Machado, like I talked about, the Orioles are not going to win this year. If you want to get in on the Manny Machado deal, get in on him now and potentially give him that great year next year where he says, okay, I want to sign, long, sign up long-term in St. Louis. That's a game-changer for this, for this entire organization. Marcelo Zuna, he's, got, he's locked up for a while. Don't trade for a guy like J.D. Martinez who you have for a year because I don't think that investing in rental guys like that is going to go very far because I don't think that adding a guy like that is going to get you into the playoffs and you're just going to lose probably some highly valued prospects to get him and then potentially see him walk away get, and you'll get no pick for him because he, there's, you can't attach one to a traded player. So I just I don't think that this team can just full blown buy because I think that that is just hurting them long term with losing prospects for potential rental players. I have been really wanting to write an article comparing this team to the Mets when they traded for Jonas Suspedes because that team floundered around 500, made under went under 500 a little bit. But then they traded for Suspedes. They added a couple of the pieces, one of them being Addison Reed in the bullpen, and they blew up. Could this team do that? Sure. But I don't think that one piece and a, and a lower-level bullpen piece is going to give this team what they need. There's a, too many things wrong for just adding one big, one big guy to a rental contract and hoping that you can re-sign him. Uh, let me jump in and ask a of a follow-up question if we buy into the idea that there are some clubhouse issues going on which i think we can pretty well all agree with thanks to matt adams comments in atlanta thanks to some of the looks that we see on faces and if we buy into the idea that this clubhouse issue revolves around Matheny and revolves around mabry and perhaps others what's the likelihood of us picking up one of these guys like a machado even and convincing him to want to stay in a place that has clubhouse issues. So both of you field that question, then tell me what you would do to fix it. Start with you, Josh. I think that that we're not going to see clubhouse issues go away until we see a change in management, which I don't know that we will see because Matheny got an extension, and I don't think the Cardinals are in are the type of organization that – moves on from a guy like that as much as the fans might want to. But if there's potential for us to miss the playoffs two years in a row, I think that that has to kind of be taken very seriously because if you miss this, players would come to the Cardinals because of what we represented and how in our winning ways. So you need to get back to those winning ways to lure guys like Manny Machado. So I think the only way that things are going to get better is if there's a change in management. And I hate to say that because Matheny has Matheny is one of those guys who has been around this organization for a long time. And he used to be a fan favorite and he might still be for some people, but and saying goodbye to anybody is tough, especially someone who's so connected to this organization. But that has to happen if this team can't find a way to win and find a way to make it fun. I feel like Dexter Fowler, for example, was added to this team because of his attitude and the way he played the game. And I think that that's kind of gone out the window because you're not seeing that Dexter Fowler that you saw with the Cubs last year, the fun, loose guy who kind of gave the clubhouse environment a different feel. I just think this team needs a lot more Carlos Martinez's maybe. That might help. (laughs) I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what the cure is, Doctor Miles, and because Josh, I don't even think mentioned it. Winning, that's what it is. Winning is going to cure all. Winning breeds success. Winning attracts players like Machado. Winning attracts players like Josh Donaldson, like J.D. Martinez. That's what's going to make them want to be a St. Louis Cardinals. And that's why I say the Cardinals should buy. That's why I think you put your you put your best players out there if you can do that and get some pieces to complement 
and show that you can win. If the if leadership can show that they are willing to win, I think you have a bigger chance of success of attracting players like that and getting them to stay. So, uh, to me, what you do to fix it, you you got to get rid of Mike Mike Nathini. You have to do it. There is no other choice. You have to start where the source of the problem is. And at this point, I think we all can say it. It is Mike Matheny and his coaching staff. So go to the source of the problem, fix it, get your people where they need to be, go out and show that, and leadership needs to go out and show that they are ready to win right now, and, and go do it. They've got long-term pieces. They've got young guys. They've got great arms in their prospects. I mean, think about it. Even Dakota Hudson, who is a name that we really don't talk about, has even done some really good stuff in, in Springfield. And he, he tossed a pretty good game tonight. And we don't even talk about him. So, I, you know, that's the source of the problem. You want, you want to know how you fix it? You win. That's how you fix it. There is no other cure, you know, but you have to you have to start at the source. I, I would like I to think, jump in there um, and say something yeah, about just just a quick thing. Um, recently, there I I don't quote me on who it was, but there was a a rankings. I think it was on MLB Network ranking. It was uh, Joe Sheehan did a ranking of the top tactical and strategic managers in Major League Baseball, and it's funny because number one and number 30 are very much connected. Number one was Terry Francona, and number 30 is Mike Matheny, both of whom came down to the wire for who this team could have hired to be the manager. We went with Matheny, who, is ranked, who Joe Sheehan says is the worst tactical and strategic manager in the game, and we let the number one tactical and strategic manager walk. That's and, where did he, and, where was he last, and where was he last year? The World Series. That's right. That's my point. You go it's to the hard, source of the problem. It's hard to I, as a as a fan. I want to say that you. I don't want to look at Matheny's previous success and say he didn't do anything for us, because I think that that's the wrong way to look at it. But when things go this badly, you have to make a change, and you and you make it as soon as possible. I know that's not the Cardinals way of thinking most likely, but you need to make a change. And you guys have made some fantastic points tonight. This has been a, an outstanding cage match. We, we're at about two minutes. And what I'd like to hear from each of you in the last two minutes, one minute each, is I'd love for you to tell me what you think needs to happen to Michael Walker and then give us your power ranking of the National League. Let's start with you, Tito. What, what would you do with Michael Walker, and then what are your power rankings? I would look for a trade for him as best as possible right now. If I can't, he's going to the bullpen and bring up a prospect, probably Jack Flaherty. He's pitched the best out of any of the prospects I've seen. So that's that's what I would do with him. And my top five in the National League right now, I'm going to go Nationals, Dodgers, Rockies, D-backs. And I cannot believe I'm saying this, but I'll put them in for the first time. Um it's the Milwaukee Brewers. And I just want to say one more quick thing about the Mike Matheny thing. You can't, you can't, under, you can't overestimate his, his errors in, in management. You can't in bullpen management, lineup management, you can't. It, it is hurting the team more, and it's obvious. All right, let's okay, not so on my you've got about 20 seconds. Yeah, let's go. 20 hey, seconds. my bad. Uh, Michael Walker needs to go, go to the bullpen immediately. He could be a dominant bullpen guy when he doesn't have to see lineups two or three times. Uh, and I don't think you'd bring up Jack Flaherty. Don't rush him too much. Bring up a Luke Weaver, John Gant, let Tyler Lyons do it. Uh, and for my rankings, Dodgers, Nationals, Diamondbacks, Rockies, Brewers. Thanks for All taking right. my time, Tito. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. Yeah, thanks, thanks, guys. This was fantastic. Thanks for joining us on Episode 9 of the official Redbird Rants podcast. Check us out next time.
and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was really good, you guys. That was a lot of fun. There was a roller coaster there at the end to try to get it in when, before the deadline. <laughs> I, ble- I, blame I knew Josh. he was going into my time. I blame Started- Josh. <laughs> what do you blame me for? You took so long in your opening monologue that I had to squeeze out some time for myself <laughs> at the end. I don't know about that. I think oh. if, we, if we tracked it, there's a little bit more time going to Tito. I think Tito goes Bull. on tangents. Bull. I, if I had time to t- time it, I would, but I just I don't have that going on in my life. Hell, I'm timing you next time. You'll see it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, Tito. Tito certainly uh, had um, home home field advantage. Yeah, I won. Yeah, I'll well, thanks, guys. One. Two to one, me. Two to one, you. Yeah. That's okay. Fantastic, right there. Good job, boys. <laughs> I love it. Thanks, Doctor Miles. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.